Welcome to Inspiration Narratives, a short series of conversation highlighting creatives from underrepresented communities. In honoring their work and creativity, we take a deeper dive into the times, moments, and influences that encapsulates why these creatives do what they do, and if, how, and where they use their medium to celebrate the cultures they come from. These are the stories that need to be told. This is Inspiration Narrative. As my mom tells it, I have been singing since I was two. Um, There's no real LGBTQ connection to it. It's just that um, I come from a family of singers. I come from a family of people who just could sing. From my great-great-grandmother to my great-grandmother who had a singing group out of Washington, D.C. for, I want to say, the same year, 46, 47, 48 years. Um, they were called the Jordanettes of Washington, D.C. And um, as the story goes with my mom, when our family was getting together to um, get ready for a recital that used to be put on at my great-grandmother's church once a year, where she would feature her family and various people in the family who could sing. And they were downstairs in the basement of her house on K Street, 912 K Street, Northeast Washington, D.C., and everybody was singing and they apparently got to a, a line in the song and everybody cut off and I continued the alto line at the age of two. And so I don't re- recall that, but that was the beginning of my formative years um, in music. And from that, I began singing with the family, and began just singing in Washington, D.C. as a young child, and it just kind of blossomed. So I I would never say that there's one real moment that shaped it all. It's all been this continuously evolving thing that has kind of not snowballed because much of it has been very intentional. But there's no real one moment. It's just the grouping of many, many moments through my childhood, adolescence, and then college, adulthood that have kind of shaped me into who I am today. And honestly, I'm still, I guess, looking for that great moment that I can talk about. But like right now, um, I've had a bunch of, you know, little moments that have kind of lended themselves to who I am musically. And, and I think that's pretty much it for that. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Are there any Black and or LGBTQ plus creatives or entrepreneurial figures outside of your family that influenced you, like, then wanting to pursue it professionally? And then also, like, even the the bodies of work that you create and your day-to-day life as as a music creative? So um, growing up, one of my major influences was Daryl Coley. Um, he was a gospel singer. He passed actually, I, I can't recall now if it was last year or year before last, but um, he was one of my major vocal influences. And honestly, there are no individuals who sing, who are black males who come out of the church, who have not been influenced by his sound. Um, Daryl Coley was legendary um, as far as vocalists go. Um, But growing up, I would hear recordings of Donny Hathaway and Sam Cooke. My my grandmother was a great fan of Sam Cooke. 
and you know just different people all of whom lent lended themselves to my sound because that's what was around me that sound was around me um but none more so than daryl coley um i can't speak to his sexuality but i can speak to his musicianship um he ended up coming to my church in dc when i was quite young and ended up being a great mentor to me over the years um but his his voice and his vocal stylings and his choices um he was the person who who i first recognized could do much more than they were actually doing but his choices were always so tasteful and he never oversang. He he always sang right in the pocket. He always did just enough to really make the music what it should be in the context of the moment. And he could do everything. He he did everything. He's not often credited with doing everything, but he he could make his voice do anything. And it was just it was a great instrument. He did it primarily in church, but he also, you know would do background vocals for different people in different genres. He also did a cameo on The Simpsons. He, he had a few things, but but nobody has influenced me vocally more so than Daryl Coley. Nobody, nobody comes even close. I think it's dope that, you know, you obviously being a, a music artist, um, lead it, and also a music, a minister of music, um, and leading the, the music program at, uh, uh, institution and a uh, and, uh, organization like First Corinthian is amazing. I feel like gospel music influenced a lot of Black music in general. Oh, yeah. However, you have to look at, right, what we look at when we look at this sort of churchy term of like secular music and you talk about like Donny Hathaway, right? So, yeah, I like the juxtaposition of, right, you looking at two sort of people, one that I think directly still in both of them directly still influence your day-to-day work as a music creative but um mm-hmm. right like daryl coley has i think a little bit closer to that considering his work in gospel music and that being you know at the forefront of your day-to-day work people don't often people don't often really know that about me because i am you know quote-unquote so churchy <laughs> but like what happens in church for me that's my worship that's my worship. People who experience me in church rarely get to see me like perform. And there's that side too. Church is not performance for me. Church is my worship. Whether people were there to observe it or not, it would still be the same. It would be everything that you get on a Sunday morning is who I am concerning my worship. But concerning performance, that's something completely different. And Daryl's a part of that performance piece, but there are other people who play into that performance piece vocally. And, you know, it's, but it's weird though, because there must be that dualism. There must be that dichotomy. And there must be also, in my mind, that separation. And that comes from being churchy too. You know, you, you grow up in church and they tell you, don't be fleshy. Don't, you know, don't, don't, don't. Don't, you know, don't let the devil use you. You know, you, you got everything has to be for God. And so in my mind, when I am getting up to minister in church, everything has to be about God. And one of the scriptures I use around that is, um, you know, that no flesh should glory in God's presence. And that's my whole mantra in church. 
but if you catch me like at a Jenny supper club or at Minton's or downtown at, you know, Lincoln Center, at Jazz at Lincoln Center, or at one of the halls downtown doing something classical, it's a completely different thing because I honestly feel like I can spread out a bit more because then I am doing things specifically to get audience response. I am doing things to, you know, elicit a certain response from the audience so that the music moves in a very specific direction. Whereas when I'm in church, it's all about God. Right. And that was kind of drilled into me going growing up. So you would say then more that church is you essentially when you're at church using your gifts, that's essentially your sac it's your worship because you're sacrificing your gift to God. Right. That okay. well, it, it's my worship. And granted, I do get paid to be in the space and I get paid because I'm good at what I do here. But it 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 really is my offering to God. That is, you know. I don't, I try not to be a performer in church because it reads in church as being inauthentic and, you know, and you never want to be inauthentic and you want to always be truthful and honest, not just about what you're doing, but where you are with God, because all of that plays into it. And is that to say that God has nothing to do with anything secular that I do? No, that's not the statement, but when I'm doing things secular, though it may be, you know, churchy quote here, as unto the glory of God, but it it is not the same as being in church. When I'm in church, it is God is my sole focus. But when I am not in church, my focus becomes more, okay, let me get this vocalism right. Let me make sure I'm landing this correctly. Okay, how did this run come out? How is this melisma doing? Okay. This turnabout right here, let me make sure, you know, it, it's a much more about perfection, much more about, you know, wowing as a vocalist. Do you use music and just your medium as a performer, as a writer? And even I was talking to somebody as a creative and as an artist, you kind of unintentionally get launched or thrown into the realm of entrepreneurship. And I think a lot of people don't look at artists as entrepreneurs. So thinking about like those sort of three things of like writer, performer, musician, entrepreneur, those four things, sorry. Would you say do you use your medium, either one of those, um, or just music in general to celebrate either your blackness or either your, your pride, right? Being a part of the, the LGBTQ community. I think some people definitely intentionally use, and that's not why they do it, but they use their gifts to celebrate the cultures that they're com they come from. So do you use that, you know, do you use your gifts to celebrate when you're performing at Jenny's or Edmonton's or wherever, you know, you may have a show um, and wherever, whoever you're writing for to, to celebrate or even writing for yourself to celebrate your otherness um, and well, being somebody from uh, underrepresented community, black and LGBTQ plus. I definitely do that. Um, when approaching music as a whole, I will, my blackness shines through, period. Um, this, whether it is a text that I'm writing, I'm always writing from the perspective of a person of color. Um, it comes across, of course, more in certain subject matter, but I'm always writing from the perspective of a person of color. Um, and then recently, and by recently, I mean within the last two years or so in my personal performance, when I'm doing covers, I 
I push the envelope a bit and I say that because, you know, my audience is kind of crossover conservative white and black church. And so I push the envelope because I've started using, you know, when I'm singing a love song and whatnot, I use masculine pronouns to talk about my lover. I, and a lot of people, I, I have watched people get kind of confused by that. I've watched people, you know, kind of sit up in their chairs a bit. I've had people ask me about it, but it's something that I've recently done. And that celebrates my LGBTQ or I, that celebrates my queerness. But to celebrate my blackness um, in my writing, I make sure that I'm speaking about black subjects. And when I'm doing covers, I try to make sure that if it is a white artist, I am going to, I call it darkening, darken the music, darkening the music, make it more black. This by way of rhythmic choices, syncopation, the way I'm going to approach the text, the way I'm going to approach the music, or I'm going to just use black composers. Recently, I did, um, back in February, actually, I um, sang the opening of the art exhibit for um, Carrie Mae Weems out in um, Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I was able to go back to some of my classical stuff and then do some real, real, real work around, you know, race and segregation in that program. And then really, it was a predominantly white audience, but I was singing, you know, real good black music and stuff like The Barrier, um, the text of which is, I must not gaze at them, although your eyes are dawning. They, I must not watch you as you go your sun illumined way. Um, I look, must, but I must never heed the fascinating note that fluting like a river reed comes from your trembling throat. Um, and then it goes on to pretty much say, I can't do these things because the, the, the final line of the song is, you're fair and I am dark. And that really challenges audiences. That, you know, because that that's, it takes you, we would say, back to a place of segregation and back to a place where interracial love is a big taboo. But a lot of these things are still taboo. Interracial love is still taboo um, in, in certain communities. Um, gay love is still taboo in certain communities. And so I push the envelope around that. But then I try to also push the envelope around my general aesthetic when I get up to perform. In church, you're not going to see me, you know, be too flamboyant. I'm pretty, you know, pretty standard. Um, it has been referred to as me being professional. It's not so much that I'm being professional. I can be professional in whatever I have on. But if you catch me outside of the church, what I have on is going to sometimes challenge you. I'm going to, you know, rock a kilt. I'm going to do some face painting. I'm going to do some things that challenge some gender norms. And I'm going to do them in subtle and very tasteful ways because, you know, I'm still me, but I still do them. And I also recognize that my audience is not an audience that can be taken too swiftly to the far ends and the far reaches of, you know, gender fluidity. But for who they are and where they are, I'm just what they need to see to challenge them just enough to leave the room and to ask themselves questions about what they've seen. That's beautiful. I think that that's great in the context of like, what, what would you say you love most about being a creative in both of these spaces, being a music creative in both of these spaces, being music creative in black music, right? A place, an industry that's predominantly black, 
right? Not always necessarily ran by black people, um, mm -hmm. especially on the business side. Yeah. Um, and then also being a music creative in the LGBTQ space, um, right? And I think the moment that we're in in our society is from an equality perspective, these underrepresented communities, we're all having our moments. Yeah. That women, black people, people of color in general, um, LGBTQ plus, et cetera, right? Um, and I think that with that, specifically as a, as a music creative, um, I'm seeing more people in music um, or even, you know, LGBTQ plus people celebrate, you know, uh, hetero people in music and even vice versa, hetero people celebrating and being allies of the LGBTQ community. So what would you say you love most about being a music creative in the black uh, music realm and then also in the LGBTQ plus realm of creativity and music? Well, I'll answer first what I love most about being a music creative because I think it lends itself to the other or it lends itself to being both black and queer. Um, I love being a music creative because it gives me the space to publicly be what people, general folk, day to day cannot. When I step onto a stage, now if I'm in church, of course, church, we've made that distinction already. But when I step onto stages elsewhere, I can be anything I wanna be in whatever moment I want to be in those, be that, that thing that I am. I don't necessarily need a costume. I don't necessarily need anything else other than the text and the music. And I can step into any role that I want. And that's a freedom that is given to me as a creative. That is a freedom that is given to me as a musician. That is a freedom that day to day as a black man, I don't always have. But when I step onto stage, I have it. Now, as a black man, the thing that I love the most about being a creative <laughs> is black music is unlike anything else. Black music is the foundational music of the United States of America. Um, it, it is arguable that the spiritual and songs of the indigenous peoples of the United States are the only true American music. And that everything else that branches from American music comes from these things. It is arguable. I can go text by text, line by line, and I can actually show those things. But black music encompasses everything. And I can be everything musically because of that. Nothing says that I have to only sing soul. Oh no. I can pull you all in and I can sing this rock song because this is our music too. I can pull you all in and I can sing this jazz song because this is our music. I can pull you all in and I can sing this classical song because we are there too. I, you know, there's so many different facets, but I can do all of these things and be hella black. And I love that. And I, I love being able to challenge audiences like that. I love being able to challenge audiences and sing something in Russian. And they're like, what is, what, is, what is this? And then I tell them the text, but then I'm like, but I'm singing it in Russian. Are you all okay? Good, be okay. And if you're not okay, learn to be okay in this moment. 
because it is oh it's just a, a great moment it, it, i love being able to challenge people like that being able to challenge or as, as a queer man i think right now i'm still reveling in the freedom of the pronouns and i know that's a small thing to, for some people but it's a big thing for others but it's right where i need to be in this space the fact that i am a man and i can get up and i can sing princes adore you and say, until the end of time, I'll be there for you. You are my heart and mind. I truly adore you. And I can be talking about a man. The fact that I can get up and I can sing Daniel Caesar's best part, and I can be talking about a man. The fact that I can get up and I can sing, um, there's a Patti LaBelle song, Lord, what, what is that Patti LaBelle song? Right? Oh, If Only You Know. And I'm talking about a man, and I make it very clear that I'm talking about a man when I do these things. That is freeing. And I love that freedom. I love the fact that I can do that and not even just to challenge the audiences, but for my own soul, because I must first be true to me as an artist. And so those are the things that I love the most. That's beautiful. Thinking about mm -hmm. June's 50th Stonewall anniversary. Um, mm -hmm. That's a big thing for the LGBTQ plus community. June is also Black Music Month. What does June mean to you when you think about Black Music Month and Pride Month? This is an interesting question. Um, because I am a Black musician and because I am always immersed in music, every month is Black Music Month. And, and I am intentional about that because you know, going to Morehouse um, and, and, and working with people like Dr. Uzi Brown and Dr. David Morrow and Dr. Calvin Grimes, they taught us that as Black musicians, it was your responsibility not only to know the music of Black people, but as Black musicians, you must know the music of everyone. White people, Eastern music forms, African music forms, Black American music forms, you had to know the music of everybody. You had to become somewhat of an ethnomusicologist unto yourself. And so every day I encounter Black music. It does not matter the season, it does not matter the month. Every day I encounter Black music. Because of now how I live my life, June is interestingly enough the only month that I am truly reminded of the fullness of my gayness. If, if, I, if I don't know if that really makes sense in the way that I want it to, but it does. Like every day I'm a black musician and every day I'm a black gay musician. However, my gayness is not really highlighted unless I choose to intentionally do it and really, really think out how I'm going to do it. And I do it in performance, but in June I get to, you know, participate in events and whatnot and parties and whatnot where I get to don this rainbow flag with the black and brown stripe. I get to, I get to be just a bit more flamboyant. And so June for me, I'm going to lean more toward the LGBTQIA plus um, side. It represents freedom. And it represents a freedom that I have not always had. I have always been a black man. Then I was next a black musician. Now I happen to be a black musician who is gay. And so because of that, that last feature 
or this month in particular, you know, even if I weren't gay, I'd still be a black musician. And every day would still be black music, black music day. Every month would be black music month. But there's a different type of freedom now that I move in in June because it is pride. And so it, it represents this emerging, this, this, this coming into oneself. And I have been able to track, because I don't think about it too often, I've been able to track June over the last few years. And I've been able to not just celebrate myself, but celebrate my friends. And my friends have been able to celebrate me. And last week I was out in um, Vegas. I went to the Anita Baker concert and a friend of mine from LA met me out there. Um, he's another black queer man. And he said to me, he said, you know, I have watched you grow. I have watched your evolution. And June is really the only month that I track my evolution of queerness with reminders on Facebook of pictures that come up and whatnot. And I'm able to look back over the years to before I came out and like, be like, Oh, okay. And then to look at different statements that I've made each year and just to see how far I've come, it represents freedom and it represents an emerging and a, and a coming to fruition and a blossoming that, that that's the word blossoming is a blooming that that I recognize around myself in June that I don't generally recognize in other months. Because, you know, when you're living it, you don't really track it. But when you're able to look back, and June for me is a marker at which I can look back, and I can look at how much I have bloomed, and I can look at the fact that I'm still blooming and I'm not yet wilting. There are still buds that are emerging that have yet to blossom. There are still things that have yet to open up. And that, that's what June represents to me. And so for me, it is more, June has become more about a celebration of my queerness and my gayness and my otherness and my peculiarity, I like that word, um, than it has my blackness. Because I, you know, I've always been black. I've always recognized I was black. I have. I have for a majority of my life been a musician in some way, shape or form. And so I've, I've always recognized that and I've always been cognizant of black music because of who I grew up around and all of that. I was not necessarily always aware of my gayness and my queerness. And then once I came to knowledge of it, I tried to hide it. And then after trying to hide it, I came to a joy within it and came to a love of self that then caused me to emerge and come forth better and stronger and, 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 and more ready to conquer. And so that's what June is for me. It's about the freedom. It is about the blooming. It is about the blossom. This is Inspiration Narrative, an Age of the Creative original.